Thank you so much for that introduction. I will always remember that. That's how I want to be introduced from now on wherever I go. All right, well, um, good morning. It is good to be here. Um, so yes, I've, I've been anticipating this for uh, three years, and it's good to be here. Uh, so it, I'm very grateful for the invite. Um, it is a joy to be with you all. I, I know many of you all, and I hope to get to know many of you all. And uh, so, yes, I'm Cyril Chavis. I am the RUF pastor at Howard University. And I just want to say thank you for being a church and a community that supports us, prays for us, encourages us. Um, it truly is a blessing to know um, that y'all are behind us. And oftentimes when I talk about what was happening on campus and people are like, man, how's it going on the campus? And I start talking about different things that are happening. And I'm just like, Every, every time I start to talk about what's happening on campus, I was like, I think somebody's praying for us. Because <laughs> doors are just opening, uh, weird things are happening, uh, people are meeting Jesus. Uh, so it's just, it's, it, it, a, a, lot of, a lot of amazing things are happening, so I want to thank you all. All right, so um, this, this weekend, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about the family of God, and I was tasked with kind of hitting on some topic that relates to um, us bonding as a family bonding as a community. Um, can I scoot this over just a little bit? I feel like I'm just talking to the left side. Of, maybe I'll go like, I don't want to block the screen. Um, okay. I don't know if that helps much, but I'll try and turn to you guys. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about the family of God. And really, I want to talk about us being united. I want to talk about being united. I feel like we're in an age of division. We, we, we've always been but I think we're much more aware of it in the past several years, that there's division in our culture, division in our nation, division in the world, and division in the church. And oftentimes the church isn't immune to the things that are happening in the world. And sometimes the church can contribute to the divisions that are happening in the world. So I'm going to talk about us being united. So in your, uh, in your brochures, it says... The, the programs, I don't know what's a good, retreat guide, there we go. In your, in your retreat guides, it says, united around a common enemy. So I'm the type of person where I like, the Holy Spirit doesn't kick in until like two days before the, before the retreat, and I really start being like, you know what, I want to change this title. So I text the master, it's like, oh, it's okay if I change the title. Um, so it is now united around a common message. United around a common message. I could have preached united around a common enemy, but it would be kind of intense. So I was like, let's just change it to united around a common message. Um, so we're, we're in Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And really this whole weekend, you know, we, we have a Q&A session. And uh, if you don't have many deep questions, that's okay, because this time is not going to be deep. Um, we're going to kind of, we're, we're not going to turn our brains off, but like, this is almost going to be like a, um, a refresher. It's going to be very basic. This morning is going to be what I call a gospel softball. We're just going to talk about we're going to talk about the gospel, and then throughout this time, we're just going to it's going to be real, real simple, real down earth, but a good reminder. Uh, later tonight is going to be the base of the whole point is going to be like we need to obey Jesus. We need to be united under His authority. Um, next time we're going to talk about being united around a common community. Basically, we need to be involved in church, and I think those of you who spent a weekend here. Um, might have some type of desire to be involved in the church community, but it, it'll, it'll be a reminder and maybe uh, um, uh, something new for, for, for many of us. And then on Sunday night, we'll talk about being united uh, with a common posture. We'll talk about what does it mean to be weak and foolish as Christians. 
Because have you noticed through the Bible, God always likes to use weak and foolish people? He's like allergic to proud, strong, wise people according to the world. So we're going to talk about what it means to be weak and foolish as the church and to recover that. Um, All right. So without further ado, Ephesians chapter 1. I mean, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And we're going to talk about being united around a common message. So I'll read it, I'll pray, and then we'll dive in. As you are dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, somebody say, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God and not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for giving us this space to be able to connect with you and to connect with each other. Lord, we need you. We need you so desperately, more desperately than we're often aware or more desperately than we often know. And Lord, this weekend, I pray that you would remind us of that as we slow down from the busyness, the craziness of of the week. And as we slow down from maybe what might be the busyness and craziness of the weekend, Lord, I pray that you would still our hearts, that we might see you. Lord, I pray that you would refresh us inwardly and outwardly. Lord, during this time, I pray that the light of your son, Jesus, would cast out darkness. Because where there's light, darkness cannot remain. And so, God, I pray that we would see your glory. Your glory through the beauty of the, of the place and space around us. Your glory and the beauty of the people around us. Your glory as we pray and as we sing and as we dig into your word. Lord, I pray that you would fill me right now with your power because I need it. Lord, I pray that you would soak me, that you would give me conviction, humility, boldness, courage, love, gentleness, meekness. And Lord, I pray that you would fill me up with a love for your message. Lord, I pray that you would open the hearts of your hearers so that they might be able to receive your word, because we can't do anything without you. Lord, and I pray that they would cherish your word. Lord, and I pray that it would transform them. We wouldn't just be good listeners, but that we would be good doers of your word. Lord, we love you. Amen. All right, so many of you 
um, know what it, is, what it is like to achieve some sort of success, whether it's in school or maybe in your personal life or in your fitness life. Maybe it's in a hobby, in college, your family, etc. Many of you will get to a place where maybe you're financially stable, where your work and gifts are celebrated, uh, where you're admired, and many of you might be there now. Um, many of you will achieve some sort of success, um, and we rightfully celebrate that. But don't we know that oftentimes with success, there can come distractions? There is the distraction of comfort, unbridled ambition, clout chasing, anxieties, insecurities, etc. All those things can distract us from the good thing that is success. We can get cocky, we can be rude and condescending to those around us because we start feeling ourselves too much, and we can totally lose a sense of gratitude and happiness because of the distractions that come with success. And you know what's a part of this complex issue? Forgetfulness. Forgetfulness is a part of this issue. Don't we see this forgetfulness in the movies? Are any of y'all Star Wars fans? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Darth Vader in Star Wars is a classic example. If you've seen, you know, episode one, you see where he starts out, right? Um, uh, basically, he forgets his humble beginnings. He started out as, as a slave and as someone who was just in the mix of a, uh, of a planet, and he is found, and he becomes one of the most powerful Jedi in the whole universe. But he loses sense of where he came from, who he is, and who got him there, right? Don't we see this in famous entertainers and business moguls? That they start out with, you know, a pure message, or they want to help people, or they want to just have their art impact people, but then they get distracted by a lot of things, and, they, and, and basically they just start going, spiraling downward and downward until they forget what they truly started off doing. And don't we see this in, dare say, our politicians at times? They, they start off with a, with, with a desire to help the community and to pour into the community, but the distractions that come with being in the mix uh, stray them away from the mission with which they once started out with. And corruption and, 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 and deals and whatever else comes into play where they forget where they came from and, and how they started out. See, here's the thing. We can forget uh, where we came from, who got us there, and who we are. You know, growing up, oftentimes, you know, when, when, when we are, you know, growing up and we go off and we achieve some, some sort of success and our parents, you know, our mothers would tell us, baby, don't forget where you came from. You acting all grown now that you got a little money, but don't forget where you came from. I changed the diapers, right? <laughs> we can forget where we came from, uh, the people who got us here, and we can forget who we are. These are popular sayings because we can lose grip over the realities that most shape us. In, there, in our passage, the Apostle Paul wants us to remember. Somebody say remember. He wants us to remember. The same is true in our spiritual lives. As Christians, we first meet the Lord and we're fired up and we throw away all our secular music. And, you know, we are sharing the gospel with anybody who'll listen. And we're just walking around looking for somebody to talk about Jesus with. Right. And we're just, you know, mm, intense and, you know, and, and, and then that that wears off and then we start to grow and we start to just really d deepen in maturity. But then what can happen is trials and tribulations come. 
old temptations start to seek in, uh, seep in that we haven't experienced in a long time. Anxiety, clout chasing, insecurities, and guilt can drown our joy and our sense of who we are and where we came from and who got us there. So in summary, the, the enemy wants us to forget these things. He wants us to forget how good the good news is. He wants us to forget how good the good news is. We start to walk outside of the power that Christ gives, and we embrace a lifestyle that, is, that, 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 is, that neglects an excitement that comes with the gospel. We become lackluster Christians, and this impacts our ability to be a united community. If, if, if we're not united around this message, a sense of gratefulness, a sense of joy around this message, then we will lose, part of our community will drift away from the rest of the community. There'll be divisions. And this is really what we see in the, in the book of Revelation in, in the first few chapters. Jesus comes to these churches, and he's basically saying, hey, essentially, there's maybe one or, there's seven churches, maybe one or two that are just like Jesus is going to, like, basically pull the plug on. And there's one or two that are doing really well. But most of them, Jesus is like, some of y'all have forgotten your first love. Some of y'all have forgotten what this is all about. This is all about me and being in love with me and being excited about me and remembering who you are, remembering that I've saved you and remembering where you're going. And that's really what the Apostle Paul is going to do here. This is the main point for our whole time this morning. This is the main point. The good news is good. The good news and the second good is in italics in my notes. The good news is good. (laughs) So get excited about it. And this is going to unite us as a community. The devil wants you to forget, but Paul is doing spiritual battle by helping them remember. So there's a few ways we can remember. So first off, remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. We see this in verses 1 through 3. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So remember, you came from death, Christian. Before the Ephesians became Christians, they walked in a different way in that, that they then walked at this point in the passage. So when it talks about walking, it's not talking about literally walking. It's talking about their lifestyle. Um, The way they used to live was defined by sins and trespasses against God and against each other. And to live in this way, the Bible calls death. Death isn't just when we're separated from our physical bodies. Death is, is, is living a lifestyle of sin against God and against each other, destroying ourselves by rebelling against God and destroying each other. And he wants to remind them that they came from the world. It says this in the next phrase, following the course of the world. So oftentimes when the Bible says world, don't think literally like the population of planet Earth or planet Earth. Think the world is kind of like a technical phrase in the Bible for humanity in rebellion against God. It's, it's, it's humanity in all of its think, ways of thinking, doing, um, its habits, its institutions, its it's cultural norms that rebel against God. And the Apostle Paul says that they were right at home and in harmony with a world that was rebelling against God. And then he reminds them they came from the devil. The next phrase, it says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So we're like, you know, who is the prince of the power of the air? <laughs> what is that? Who is that? 
So um, oftentimes when the Bible says like princes, rulers, powers, principalities, it's talking about evil spirits. So hang with me. I know this message is already, you're like, whoa, this message is already intense. But, and now he's talking about evil spirits. But, um, so, th- so we're secular and the Bible is not. We're not very spiritual and the Bible is very spiritual. The Bible sees everything as saturated with, the, with spiritual significance. They, the Bible, like, they, they were brutally aware of angels and spirits in the heavenly realms. You know, all these things that we grow up in science class uh, learning to not think about in order to actually be intelligent. But they were brutally aware of this. So the prince of the power, the heir was the way of referring to the spiritual realms. A prince was a spiritual power. So the, the prince of the power of the heir is the leader of the array of evil spirits that seeks to crush every, everything that is good and beautiful and true in the world. This is none other than Satan, and you know him as the devil or Beelzebul or the enemy, or the Bible calls him the ruler of this world. Have you seen that phrase in the Bible or heard of that phrase? The ruler of the world. Um, because this, Satan, um, when he, in, in Genesis 1 through 3, he basically kind of took over the world. Adam and Eve were supposed to rule on behalf of God, but Satan basically tricked them and said, Satan's like, hi, now I have your throne. Now I'm the ruler of this world and you're under me. Satan, Satan was just trying to trade spots with Adam and Eve. So here's the thing. The Bible here, we're going to get even more weird. You, you know how there's a Holy Spirit that, that, I mean, have you thought about this? The Holy Spirit possesses us. You've seen horror movies, you know, and there's like spirit possession. You're possessed by Holy Spirit. So there's so holiness, uh, the God of holiness animates you. You're possessed by him. But there's also so, so, so that's why it says right here, it says the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Some of your translations say energizes the sons of disobedience. Everyone is energized or influenced by spirits. Everyone, all of us, either by holy spirits or unholy spirits. This is why the prince of the power of the air, his spirit can energize the sons of disobedience. It's like, what the heck is that? You know, um, um, just like, just as God sends his spirit to be at work in people, Satan sends his spirits to be at work in people. And he says that the Ephesians, their lives were once animated by spiritual darkness. And then not, if that wasn't enough, the apostle Paul reminds them that they came from the flesh. Not only did they come from death. Did they come from the world? Did they come from the devil? They came from the flesh. It says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So the flesh here doesn't mean our literal flesh. Like the Bible doesn't condemn physical matter. Like when God created the world, he said it was good. This is a symbolic way of talking about our lives devoid of the spirit, our lifestyles before we met Jesus, a, a, a life without the spirit. Um, and because they operated in this way, the Bible calls them children of wrath. They were by nature children of wrath. Basically, you know, in, in our current culture, when people do um, injustice, what happens? We cry out for them to be punished, to be held accountable for their actions. If someone does something horrendous, a deep sense in us says they must be held accountable. The same thing is true in God's heavenly courtroom. If, we, if the, all of this was true about them, God's, God's wrath is like an old school word, but God's righteous anger or his, his God, God was disturbed. He's upset by evil. I'm so glad he is because sometimes I'm not. We need somebody to be disturbed by evil, right? 
God is disturbed by evil, and so he moves to eradicate it. He moves to get rid of it, because who wants a world filled with evil? His wrath is upon this kind of like complex of Satan, um, Satan's dominion. So, y'all still with me? <laughs> so to summarize, the devil controls the world. The world shaped their lives. Their lives were filled with sinful desires and deeds. And this whole complex of corruption was under God's righteous judgment. So y'all might be thinking, man, what is this dude talking about? He's talking about sin and evil spirits and rebellion and demonic forces and uh, the wrath of God. And this is just what the scriptures teach. And I'm held accountable to the scriptures. But, it, but here's the thing. Is it really surprising, though? Like, I don't know about y'all, but as I watch the news, I'm like, there's something deeper here than just people acting out. Or there's something deeper here than, like, we, we say, like, oh, man, that, like, we see something horrendous happen. It's like, oh, man, that person must have just been sick. And it's like, nah, I think there's just such a thing as evil, right? There, there's something deeper behind the scenes. The Bible teaches us that there's, there's, there's a, if there's an intelligent design that created good, there's an intelligent design that created evil. All we have to do is read the newspaper to be convinced that this world has a lot of darkness. And here's the thing. Sometimes we aren't bothered by it because we're at peace with a world that is not at peace with God. Because so often we are at peace with a world that is not at peace with God. Family, have we forgotten where we came from? Christian, have you forgotten where you came from? Just like the successful person that has forgotten their humble beginnings, have we forgotten that we have come from death? Um, and see, the reason why we're not as excited about the gospel as we should be oftentimes is because we really don't think it was that bad. You know, are, are, are y'all Drake fans at all? Have y'all heard of Drake's popular songs? There's this one song that, where he says, started from the bottom, now we're here. Have y'all heard that one? <laughs> So often we, we should be singing as Christians, started from the bottom, now we're here. But so often don't we say, uh, started from the top and now we're here with Jesus. Don't we sometimes feel this way if we're being honest? That we feel like our lives are kind of cramped and restricted now that we're with Jesus and we really lived the life back in the day before Jesus? I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who feels that way sometimes. <laughs> we start letting the world, the flesh, and the devil start to grab our affections and our attention again. But do you remember why you came to Christ in the first place? I'd be telling, I, does anyone just have like long conversations with themselves like me? I'm like, Cyril, do you remember why you came to Jesus in the first place? Because you were sinful and miserable. That's why. You were dead. You were participating in the evil of the world. Cyril, you had the spirit of Satan energizing you. Cyril, you were a slave to your own destructive deeds and desires, and you had a death sentence over you in the courts of God. That's why you gave your life to Jesus. <laughs> I was God's enemy, and he loved me to my senses. So maybe those of you who are exploring the Christian faith and those of you who are curious and seeking Y'all, y'all are like, man, this dude crazy, you know, but, but here's the thing. Um, the, the, the Bible can be hard to hear for anybody, for Christians and those who may be, uh, who, who don't find themselves uh, Christians. Um, we can all fall prey to the influence of the world, the flesh, and the devil. All we have to do is read a little bit of church history, right? Christians don't have an upper leg in and of themselves in this passage, um, 
we as fellow humans have a common enemy and a common call from God to embrace Christ. We're all in the same boat. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Remember who got you here. Remember who got you here. Here's the thing. Here, this is one of the most, most exhilarating passages in all the Bible. It says, God got you here through his love. God is the one who got you here. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. We just talked about where we came from, but we have to talk about who got us here. It is God. But God is one of the most beautiful phrases in all of the Bible. We had a great dilemma, but we also have a great deliverer. And why did he do it? Because he loved you. It wasn't for any other reason. There couldn't have been any other reason. You were dead. You were walking in, in sins and trespasses. This passage highlights all different. I love it how Paul just like he's almost doing poetry, like spoken word. Um, he, 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 he said being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. He didn't have to say all that. He just could have said God loves you. <laughs> but he said he mentions God's mercy, which is God's love for the miserable. He mentioned God's grace, which is God's love for those who are unworthy. He mentions God's kindness, which is God's gentle love. God loves you in so many different ways. And God brought you here through his life. The Bible says he made us alive together with Christ. Um, so here's the thing. This is why Jesus is so important. Anything that is true of you, Christian, that you have that's worth anything, it comes from Jesus. It comes because you are on his team, like you're united with him. So because he has been raised, he kind of like spiritually connects you to him. Like, so now you have the life of Jesus. Because he's been raised, you've been raised. Because he's reigning over all things at the right hand of God the Father, you are reigning over all things. You have the power to overcome sin and death in the grave. You were under the power of Satan, but now you reign over Satan. You had a worldly life, but now you have a heavenly life. You were under the wrath of God, but now you're under his grace. You are alive. It's like giving a car a jump, right? Have, have y'all ever done that? When you have a car that's running, and then you, you know, you, I haven't done it. Every, every time I do it, I have to remember how to do it because, you know, it's so much time in between. But, you know, so I'm not going to try to remember which cables go to which thing. But you basically hook up the cables, and you're probably not supposed to do this, but you rev the engine to try and, like, make it speed up because you got places to be. You're really trying to get the life of one car into another car. That's really what it's like to be connected to Christ. You are the dead battery, the car with the dead battery. Um, the spirit and faith are the jumper cables, and Christ revs his resurrection engine to bring you back to life. That's what it means to be brought to life. And here's the thing. It's a free gift. You can't boast about it. A car cannot jump itself. A drowning person cannot lifeguard themselves. <laughs> a, house, a burning house cannot extinguish itself. Another person has to come rescue you. It had to be by grace. Salvation is a free gift. When have you ever boasted about receiving a gift? It was a gift. We boast about the gift giver, not the one who received the gift. Otherwise, it would be a wage or an award or um, a reward. We boast about the generosity and love of the gift giver. And God came and got you for his own glory. It says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What was God's goal in saving us? 
to show off how good he is, how kind he is, how generous he is. And, 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 and God, God is just like, I want everybody to see how good I am because I love being good. I love being generous. He wants to give salvation to everyone. Oftentimes when I give, I don't want other people to know because then like, you know, other people, you know, like if, if, if you have a pack of gum, have you ever, this happened before in grade school, you have a pack of gum and your friend asks for a pack of gum, you're like, yeah, bro, like, here you go. <laughs> because you don't want the whole class to ask for your pack of gum. <laughs> Has anybody done that before? Is that just me? <laughs> God is the opposite. He's just like, hey guys, I got gum, <laughs> right? He wants to show up how generous, he wants to give everybody, um, and he wants to be generous to everybody. And God brought you here by faith. Um, you, uh, faith is just the open hands receiving the gift of God. It's not something that earns salvation. It's merely open hands. It's how you interest yourself in God's grace and his love. Um, and why does it have to be by faith? Why is it, why is it just receiving? Um, because, because when you're under anesthesia for surgery, you have no choice but to just trust the surgeon right when you're in the same way when you're dead in your trespasses and sins you know you have no choice but to just trust the giver of life because of your total helplessness trust and faith is the only resort that you have open hands is the only thing that you have when the repairman comes to fix my air conditioning and save me from the heat of my house I don't boast about it I don't go back to my wife and say, yeah, that was me. You know, I, I fixed the air conditioning. No, somebody had to come fix the air conditioning. It is a humble thing to have somebody come fix something for you. It takes trust. And that's what, it hap- that's what happens in salvation. Here's the thing. Salvation excludes all boasting. Christians should be the most humble people on the face of the planet. We should be humble. We have no reason to think highly of ourselves in salvation. We have all reason to think highly of our God. We don't have to be great because our God is. Family, have we forgotten who got us here? Have we forgotten who got us where we are? Just like a celebrity might forget all the people that brought them there along the way, have we forgotten how good God has been to us? You see, I think the reason why sometimes we don't get excited about um, the message of the gospel, the good news, is because we say, ah, the bad news really wasn't that bad. And we think the good news really isn't that good. God really didn't do that much for me. Like he forgives my sins and, and like gives me a reason to, to be better. But that's about it. It's like, no, God has made you alive. You are dead and now you're alive. And lastly, remember who you are. Remember who you are. The scriptures say we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It says you are his workmanship. In other words, you are something made by God. We're all created by God, but we've kind of been decreated by sin. We've fallen away from our created purpose. And now what God is doing is recreating us back into our full human selves. And what's our purpose? good works. He, is, he has made us, he has saved us for good works. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved into good works. Saved by grace doesn't now mean that you can sin it up, or being saved by grace doesn't now mean we can be uh, lazy about doing good. Being saved by grace means that we recognize our newly created selves and we dive deep into laboring in love and good works. 
And what's God's plan? He prepared these good works beforehand that we should walk in them. God has literally planned out the good works that you should do, and all we have to do is walk in them. Family, have some of us forgotten what it means to belong to God? That just like a successful person might forget the things that are central to who they are, their, their home, their community, their purpose, have we forgotten the things that are central to, to who we are as Christians now that we're walking as Christians? We as a family have to be united around our common identity. We are God's workmanship created to glorify him by being like him in our city, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. So Christian um, family, what should we all do here? We should boast in the goodness of our, save, of our Savior. We should share our faith. We should get excited about our faith. Um, in your neighborhood, on your job, to your peers, to your direct reports, to your bosses, to your family, we need to be brimming with excitement. Now, I know the different seasons are different, even in, in, in deep suffering, in deep um, fatigue and exhaustion. Ex it, it, uh, excitement doesn't look like extroverted personality. It, 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 I always oftentimes tell my students this, you know, have you ever lit um, a fire to barbecue? Like, wh what does the flame look like over the coals at first when you pour all that lighter fluid on it? <laughs> it's like a big flame, right? But what happens when you really start cooking? What do the coals look like? They glow because the fire is not on them. The fire is in them. And that's what happens with us Christians. The, 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 at first, the fire is on us, then the fire gets deep inside of us. So even when, it, when, it, when, 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 when trials and tribulations come, when things come, the, the, the flame can't be easily extinguished because it's deep within us. This is what it looks like to be excited about the gospel, to be glowing. Not to have lighter fluid on us all the time, but to be glowing. And we do this because the good news is good, is truly good. Um, so family, we got to remember, we got to remember, we got to remember how God picked us up and turned us around and placed our feet on solid ground. Remember that God's love was a balm to a bleeding soul in a helpless situation for you. Remember how God provided your every need in the midst of starvation and homelessness. Remember that God's mercy shone mit, uh, deeply in the midst of crushing guilt and doubt. Remember how time and time again, God's grace makes a way out of no way through many dangers, toils, and snares. Remember how God has given us the strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. Remember how Jesus walks with us in our trials and our sorrows. Remember how King Jesus rode over your enemies when you were under abuse and oppression. Remember how God's power transformed those destructive habits and desires that were destroying all of the relationships that mattered around you. Remember how God's call gave you a mission as you mourned your broken home, your broken city, and your broken community. Family, remember where you came from, remember who got you here, and remember who you are. And you can only do any of this because you have a great Savior. And this remembrance around this message unites us as a family. Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for all of the ways that you've been good. I pray that we will remember your goodness. Remember your love. Lord, um, 
For those of us who have been uh, Christians for a while, Lord, I pray that you would reinvigorate us, that you would excite us for the thing that we have said that we have believed. And Lord, for those of us here who are in different places spiritually, uh, maybe they're, they're curious about Christianity, uh, maybe they're a part of another faith or a part of another belief system, Lord, I pray that you would show them how good you are. I pray that you would show them how good the good news is and that they would be united with us in our family. Lord, I pray um, that the gospel would be sweet to us. Lord, I pray in the midst of the, the busyness, craziness of life that your fire would be deep within us and that we would abide with you. Lord, we love you. Amen.